Well, good morning, everyone. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. It is so good uh, to be together. I just got a text from our good friend Johnny Bunsen, uh, who normally sits back here with these guys, and I uh, just wanted to say that he uh, missed us, and he hopes that we have a tremendous morning studying the scriptures together. And uh, that's really cool that uh, we're uh, developing such a bond that somebody that's away would spend a moment to say, "Hey, I'm praying for you guys, and I miss you." Kenny, it's going to be a good morning. We're here and you're here. So whenever people from Snyder are here, it makes everything better, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. He's not here. So there you go. My question is, is anybody left in Snyder? Well, I know it is, but nobody lives there. Everywhere, every Snyder person I meet is out of Snyder. Well, speaking. Oh, 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 that's what it is. That's what it is. Well, speaking of okay, pray for Cade. He he had to put his dog down yesterday. And you know that's always a, a hard and painful thing. And so, uh, for he and his daughter both. So, uh, Psalm thirty four. Uh, I wrestled with which psalm to pray this morning. I feel like this, this one uh, matches up pretty good uh, with where we're going. Not going to do it the whole thing. Um, going to start in verse four. Let's pray together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Well, I've learned a lot about having coffee in the morning. Right out of seminary, I pastored for 10 years in El Paso, where I grew up. And so, El Paso, uh, you have two kinds of coffee drinkers the ones that go to Village Inn. Has everybody ever been to a village inn? Yeah. So there's, there's, you know, the lies are better at village inn. 
And then there's the kind that go to the Whataburger uh, to have coffee. And uh, so there's there's that. So I thought I knew something about drinking coffee with the guys in the morning. And then uh, after I went back to grad school, I pastored up in the Panhandle and was a pastor in a small farming community uh, in Friona, uh, south of uh, Hereford. And I started having coffee with the guys at the gin, the cotton gin. And that's a whole different kind of experience. The the number of lies and exaggerations that come out of those meetings are really kind of proverbial. And all of my life, I've never heard, well, how much rain did you get? Well, I got about an 18th of a fourth. <laughs> what? That's not even a number. Um, and no matter how much rain we got, it wasn't enough, right? It's a, oh, it's a bad year. It's a bad year. So you, you kind of just had to know where you're having coffee with people. Um, in, in many ways, you have to know the same context with Jesus. I know I probably overdo it sometimes, but the key to understanding Jesus very much is understanding where he grew up and understanding what he did for so much of his life. He was trained to be a rabbi. Even if people weren't calling him that all the time, based on the text that we're going to read today, you could tell he's a rabbi. One of the things rabbis are renowned for where Jesus is from is their, if you will, their coffee stories. They, In modern parlance, we call it hyperbole. But when rabbis get on a topic, they're going to get very poetic, uh, and we would say maybe even a little extreme, about it's better if you do this, if you don't do that, or it's better if you don't do this, uh, as opposed to that. Sort of the classic example, and this is before Jesus, after Jesus, uh, there's a famous rabbi that says, you know what? It's better to be thrown into a furnace of fire than to embarrass somebody in public. So it's a teaching tool the rabbi uses. Now, is a rabbi actually suggesting that you go throw people in a furnace? No, not at all. Uh, he's just trying to make the point it's really bad to embarrass somebody in public. But when Jesus does these things, it's better to gouge out your own eye than to sin. Unfortunately, early church fathers that universally tended to be Greek uh, didn't understand the context. And so you had a lot of early church fathers mutilating themselves because they, they were following uh, the teaching of Jesus. Uh, Origen, um, who is a famous uh, church father, actually uh, emasculates himself. Uh, based on this stuff. And so you got to know who you're drinking coffee with in order to uh, understand what they're doing. Amen. Amen. So let's let's take a look at Jesus going full on rabbi for us. Remember the setup here. He's trying to lay out the pattern of the kingdom for the disciples. He's making it really important. The first shall go last. The way you treat the least of these, the children, the servants matters 
just about more than anything. So we touched a little bit on verse 42. Yeah, just, just one thing to remember. Remember this whole conversation is, uh, is a result of them having an argument about which of them was the greatest. So always keep that in the back of your mind when we're in these sections. He's trying to shift their perspective, right? So 42, but if anyone causes one of these little ones, and again, he's channeling what he talked about, servant, slave. Uh, interesting term. We'll come back to it in just a little bit. Um, but it's micros, just like microscope. And so it's it's little ones, but it has a, a big kind of range of meaning. It can mean child. It can mean person of low social standing. So someone that's not seen as very much, um, not just in size, but in the eyes of other people. So uh, Jesus expanded it a little bit there. But anyone um, that causes one of these little ones who trusted me to lose faith, it would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around their neck. And so we looked about looked at that last time. Uh, we think Jesus is channeling an event that happened when he was younger. Uh, there really was an incident where people rose up against Herod, and they were not able to catch Herod. They did catch Herod's brother, and he ended up dead. And they did capture some of Herod's uh, servants, uh, assistants, entourage, and they went into a grain mill, pulled out that large round stone. I think we looked at it last week. Uh, tied a rope around their neck. <clears throat> Sounds a lot like a Texan, right? And threw them in the Sea of Galilee. And remember some of the discussion we've had about what the sea means to them, right? The deep dark is where evil comes from. And so they were sending these guys um, to the nastiest, darkest hole they could find. So Jesus is, is channeling a list to really make the point. Not that I expect you to go out and you know, hang people the opposite direction. Um, but don't don't cause kids, don't cause weak people uh, to lose faith in Jesus. It's a it's a big problem. And then, without missing a beat, Jesus just launches into it full bore. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter heaven with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. All right, so you're at the coffee shop. Jesus just said this. What does he mean? Does he want you to cut your hand off? No, he doesn't want you to sin. He's trying to make a real extreme point here. If there are things that are causing you to sin, get rid of them. Um, don't mutilate yourself, but if you have uh, a friendship and, and the friend's no good, uh, get rid of them. If your computer causes you to stumble, uh, find a way to get in life without it. Uh, if drinking has become uh, too much for you, get rid of it. Um, like he's saying, it's better to have done without something in life than to give up heaven. Now one of the unique aspects of Jesus' time and his particular teaching, I mean I think it's important to notice where Jesus is like other rabbis. In a sense, his hyperbole, he's like them. 
But that helps us really appreciate where Jesus is very different. Um, During his era, people started talking about heaven and hell more than they had through the rest of Scripture. But Jesus in particular, with his kingdom language, is pushing the understanding of heaven into a whole new arena. Nobody, in a sense discusses as much um, in terms of time and and actions. Remember, what does Jesus tend to call himself? Son of Man. Man. And again, that's very much tied to heaven, to judgment. And so here he is, again, channeling that Son of Man idea. He's saying these things as the person that will judge us. I'm telling you, it's better, again, to cut off a hand than to go to hell and to go uh, to miss heaven. Two things uh, to say real quick. Uh, we've said it before, but it's good to learn. In Jesus' day and also in a lot of his thinking, heaven is a treasury and hell is a dump. So when a person performs a righteous act, they call it a mitzvah, it is uh, a precious substance. They relate it to gold. Uh, So when you do what God wants you to do, he's like a parent that puts your picture on the refrigerator. He doesn't want to lose it. And so in the Hebrew sense, God collects these things out of love. Um, Remember when you were... Little and the Baptists were talking about crowns in heaven. <laughs> this is where that comes from. Okay, it's not literally that you get crowns and all that kind of stuff, but it's this mitzvah becomes something that is eternal. It's gold. It does not perish. It doesn't rust like iron. It's eternal. So God has this place that He collects the goodness. He collects the righteous, loving acts that we've done. Hopefully that will include us. So one of the things we tend to miss, how do they then describe New Jerusalem in Revelation? It's what? It's got a river through it, yeah. But what what are the streets made out of? Gold. What's the the walls made out of? Jewels and gold. I mean, it's it's this incredible... Uh, a gaudy kind of thing. Now, prosperity gospel people like, Amen. My house should look like Jesus's house. I need a gold toilet. You know, we completely go nuts with this stuff. Um, that's not what they were talking about. They're giving you this idea that God curates the best of us, the goodness of us. And that's what's reflected. Not that God needs a gold house, okay? The total opposite that Jesus uh, channels of that is Gehenna, which is, we talked about this before, it's a valley, um, the western valley out of Jerusalem on the south side, and it's the dump of Jerusalem. Now it has a darker history before that, it's the place where when Israel went completely evil and started worshipping the Canaanite god Baal, they sacrificed children in this valley. So one of the reasons the Israelites made the... Gehenna Valley, a dump, was to defame that sanctuary so it could never be used again. But 
In Jesus' day, it was a dump, like any uh, Middle East city. And people constantly are throwing their garbage down there. Periodically, you have to burn uh, the garbage to manage it. I mean, there's everything just rotten and nasty. You know what lives in the dump? Caleb's. Caleb's, exactly. It's, it's the dogs. That's where the dogs go to eat. So that's why they say, uh, Gentile dog, all that kind of stuff. Now, no, question. How did you pronounce that? Gehenna? Gehenna, yeah. Same as Gehenna? Yeah. It's, um, Jesus is using the Aramaic phrase because that's what he speaks. So um, the name of the valley is actually Hinnom, but they're abbreviating as the Valley of Hinnom, which comes out Gehenna. So um, now, to be clear, I think there are actual places, right? I mean, there, there's a spiritual heaven where we actually go, and there's there's a hell. Jesus was taking something that he saw in this world to help us explain it, right? Uh, so you get, you get those two images: um, one that Jesus is God is keeping all that is good, and then a place that God throws away all the evil and it can include people, and eventually burns it up and has to destroy it. So, we tracking? Making sense? So, in the context, then, uh, what would then lead a person to commit acts worthy of having their hands cut off? Well, uh, hyper, in a hyper, hyperbolic sort of way. Is that even a word? No. <laughs> Hyperverbally sort of way. Uh, what would... What what what's kind of the underlying the underlying issue? Selfishness. Ah, well, it it's a desire to be on top, right? If they're if they're having this argument, and there's 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 actually a series of three arguments that kind of you know it begins back when they come back down off the mountain. Uh, uh, the mountain of transfiguration that's the, the first argument then we've got this argument here and then we've got an argument in uh, at the end or at the middle of chapter 10 and so we made the point that one of the reasons that they were arguing when they came down in after the transfiguration is hey these guys got to go up we're down here left to try to take care of this mess where the heck were y'all that kind of thing. Then they're arguing about which one is the greatest. Then the next argument is, is James and John's mother, of all people, says, I want you to make my boys the best. Right and left hand, right? Set the right. And so, so what, what does that desire in us cause us to do? If we're consumed with our status and our station in life, in our position, we are going to be put in a likely place where we push others aside. And all throughout these little ones, that's this, this term that Jesus keeps using is to be our concern. A little one here in this context is a guy who's just cast out a demon. But it's not one of them. So they're threatened by him. And so they try to push him out of the group. Don't You don't belong here. In essence, they try to shame him. Remember, that's what shame says. Shame says you don't belong. We oftentimes will shame people in order to put ourselves in a better position 
in our own eyes. Right? Well, at least I'm not that. And we push him away. So this invitation that Jesus is making is to pay attention to our desires. And to our motives for the ways in which we are interacting with people. And we're fixing to hit one that's going to hit very close to home to most of us. Our marriages. Yep. So, this is complex. What do you think prompted the argument amongst the disciples at the bottom of the hill? Who was the greatest? I've got a Okay. If they just heard from Jesus, I'm going to die. Well, if he dies, who's going to take over? Yeah. On the best. Yeah. And, and no, that's that's good. And, you know, I really want to stress what the disciples were doing was not unusual. Disciples always had a ranking. I mean, who? The, the, and so I'm trying to get at who caused this argument. Jesus did. Because who did he take to the top? He took his core three that he invested more in. He didn't take them all. He didn't treat them all the same. He didn't, hey, everybody, I do everything the same for everybody. He does not do that. There is definitely a meritocracy within the rabbinic system. What you can learn, what you can handle, Jesus will promote you from that. Jesus didn't make everybody a disciple, did he? No, he had his 12, and then he had his core, and then he had really Peter and maybe John. We can debate that. So it's not like Jesus is a communist, right? You know, everybody gets the same. It's not that. What he is trying to say is that there is a very different way that I expect anybody that follows me to treat people. (laughs) Instead of reverting to the animal instinct where I'm going to be the best disciple, not because I work harder or I try to learn more or I try to be more like Jesus, but because I lie, I manipulate, I grab, I push, I steal, I connive. That's where he gets bent out of shape. And he's trying to tell them, no, 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 no. You will, in a sense, collect your gold in heaven. The the righteous, good, loving kingdom acts you do, that is what makes heaven. Not your ability to cut a deal, make it happen, work, work a corner. Okay, so in a sense, he's he's messing with the disciples, but he's trying to give this this huge world lesson. Um, don't be an animal. Uh, sometimes we're just animals fighting over the biggest chunk of meat, and that's not what we were made for. So, carrying on with Kurt's discussion about Revelation earlier, uh, the twenty-four elders. In uh, Revelation, they're clothed in white. These guys represent us. Um, all the faithful followers of Jesus. What do they wear on their heads? Do they? <laughs> Actually, they're in this perpetual state of throwing them at the at the foot of the throne. And it's like the original bungee cord. Is that as soon as you throw it, it's like it comes back to us to throw it off again. To throw it off again. Which perfectly lines up with what Jesus says in verse 35. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. This is Jesus. 
I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. This is the original calling of humanity in the garden to serve and to protect. Servants don't wear crowns. They cast them down. And this is our calling. Right. There's always enough. And we don't have to fight for it. Very good point, Tom. So 47, Jesus again, he's he's full on. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God half blind than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm never dies. Well, good morning, everyone. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. It is so good uh, to be together. I just got a text from our good friend Johnny Bunsen, uh, who normally sits back here with these guys. And I just wanted to say that he uh, missed us, and he hopes that we have a tremendous morning studying the scriptures together. And uh, that's really cool that uh, we're uh, developing such a bond that somebody that's away would spend a moment to say, hey, I'm praying for you guys, and I miss you. Kenny, it's going to be a good morning. We're here and you're here. So whenever people from Snyder are here, it makes everything better, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. He's not here. So there you go. My question is, is anybody left in Snyder? Well, I know it is, but nobody lives there. Everywhere, every Snyder person I meet is out of Snyder. (laughs) Well, speaking... Oh, oh, that's what it is. That's what it is. Well, speaking of okay, pray for Cade. He he had to put his dog down yesterday. You know, that's always a a hard and painful thing. And so, uh, for he and his daughter both. So, uh, Psalm 34. I wrestled with which psalm to pray this morning, and I feel like this one matches up pretty good with where we're going. Not going to do it the whole thing. I'm going to start in verse 4. Let's pray together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace. And pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. 
Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Well, I've learned a lot about having coffee in the morning. Right out of seminary, I pastored for 10 years in El Paso, where I grew up. And so El Paso, uh, you have two kinds of coffee drinkers. The ones that go to Village Inn. Has everybody ever been to a Village Inn? Yeah. So there's, there's you know, the lies are better at Village Inn. And then there's the kind that go to the Whataburger uh, to have coffee. And uh, so there's there's that. So I thought I knew something about drinking coffee with the guys in the morning. And then uh, after I went back to grad school, I pastored up in the Panhandle and was a pastor in a small farming community uh, in Friona, uh, south of uh, Hereford. And I started having coffee with the guys at the gin, the cotton gin. And that's a whole different kind of experience. The the number of lies and exaggerations that come out of those meetings are really kind of proverbial. And all of my life, I've never heard, well, how much rain did you get? Well, I got about an eighteenth of a fourth. <laughs> what? That's not even a number. Um, and no matter how much rain we got, it wasn't enough, right? It's a oh, it's a bad year, it's a bad year. So you, you kind of just had to know where you're having coffee with people. Um, in, in many ways, you have to know the same context with Jesus. I know I probably overdo it sometimes, but the key to understanding Jesus very much is understanding where he grew up and understanding what he did for so much of his life. He was trained to be a rabbi. Even if people weren't calling him that all the time, based on the text that we're going to read today, you could tell he's a rabbi. One of the things rabbis are renowned for where Jesus is from is their, if you will, their coffee stories. They, In modern parlance, we call it hyperbole. But when rabbis get on a topic, they're going to get very poetic, uh, and we would say maybe even a little extreme, about it's better if you do this, if you don't do that, or it's better if you don't do this, uh, as opposed to that. Sort of the classic example, and this is before Jesus, after Jesus, uh, there's a famous rabbi that says, you know what? It's better to be thrown into a furnace of fire than to embarrass somebody in public. So it's a teaching tool the rabbi uses. Now, is a rabbi actually suggesting that you go throw people in a furnace? No, not at all. Uh, he's just trying to make the point it's really bad to embarrass somebody in public. But when Jesus does these things, it's better to gouge out your own eye than to sin. Unfortunately, early church fathers that universally tended to be Greek uh, didn't understand the context. And so you had a lot of early church fathers mutilating themselves because they, they were following uh, the teaching of Jesus. Uh, Origen, um, who is a famous uh, church father, actually uh, emasculates himself. 
uh, based on this stuff. And so you got to know who you're drinking coffee with in order to uh, understand what they're doing. Amen. Amen. So let's let's take a look at Jesus going full on rabbi for us. Remember the setup here. He's trying to lay out the pattern of the kingdom. For the disciples, he's making it really important. The first shall go last. The way you treat the least of these, the children, the servants, matters just about more than anything. So we touched a little bit on verse 42. Yeah, just just one thing to remember. Remember this whole conversation is, uh, is a result of them having an argument about which of them was the greatest. So always keep that in the back of your mind when we're in these sections. He's trying to shift their perspective, right? So 42. But if anyone causes one of these little ones, and again, he's channeling what he talked about, servant, slave. Uh, Interesting term. We'll come back to it in just a little bit. Um, But it's mikros, just like microscope. And so it's it's little ones, but it has a, a big kind of range of meaning. It can mean child, it can mean person of low social standing. So someone that's not seen as very much, um, not just in size, but in the eyes of other people. So uh, Jesus expanded it a little bit there. But anyone... Um, It causes one of these little ones who trust in me to lose faith. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around their neck. And so we looked about, looked at that last time. Uh, We think Jesus is channeling an event that happened when he was younger. Uh, There really was an incident where people rose up against Herod and they were not able to catch Herod. They did catch Herod's brother and he ended up dead and they did capture some of Herod's uh, servants, uh, assistants, entourage, and they went into a grain mill, pulled out that large round stone, I think we looked at it last week, uh, tied a rope around their neck, <clears throat> sounds a lot like a Texan, right, and threw them in the Sea of Galilee. And remember some of the discussion we've had about what the sea means to them, right? The deep dark is where evil comes from. And so they were sending these guys um, to the nastiest, darkest hole they could find. So Jesus is is channeling a list to really make the point. Not that I expect you to go out and, you know, hang people the opposite direction. Um, but don't... Don't cause kids, don't cause weak people uh, to lose faith in Jesus. It's a it's a big problem. And then without missing a beat, Jesus just launches into it full bore. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter heaven with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. All right, so you're at the coffee shop. Jesus just said this. What does he mean? Does he want you to cut your hand off? No. He doesn't want you to sin. He's trying to make a real extreme point here. If there are things that are causing you to sin, get rid of them. Um, Don't mutilate yourself, but if you have uh, a friendship and, and the friend's no good... Uh, get rid of them. If your computer causes you to stumble, uh, find a way to get in life without it. Uh, if drinking has become 
uh, too much for you, get rid of it. Um, like he's saying, it's better to have done without something in life than to give up heaven. Now, one of the unique aspects of Jesus' time and his particular teaching, I mean, I think it's important to notice where Jesus is like other rabbis. In a sense, his hyperbole, he's like them. But that helps us really appreciate where Jesus is very different. Um, During his era, people started talking about heaven and hell more than they had through the rest of scripture. But Jesus in particular, with his kingdom language, is pushing the understanding of heaven into a whole new arena. Nobody, in a sense discusses as much um, in terms of time and and actions. Remember, what does Jesus tend to call himself? Son of man. Son of man. And again, that's very much tied to heaven, to judgment. And so here he is again channeling that son of man idea. He's saying these things as the person that will judge us. I'm telling you, it's better, again, to cut off a hand than to go to hell and to go uh, to miss heaven. Two things uh, to say real quick. Uh, we've said it before, but it's good to learn. In Jesus' day and also in a lot of his thinking, heaven is a treasury and hell is a dump. So... When a person performs a righteous act, they call it a mitzvah, it is uh, a precious substance. They relate it to gold. Uh, So when you do what God wants you to do, he's like a parent that puts your picture on the refrigerator. He doesn't want to lose it. And so in the Hebrew sense, God collects these things out of love. Um, Remember when you were little and the Baptists were talking about crowns in heaven. <laughs> this is where that comes from. Okay, It's not literally that you get crowns and all that kind of stuff, but it's this mitzvah becomes something that is eternal. It's gold. It does not perish. It doesn't rust like iron. It's eternal. So God has this place that he collects the goodness. He collects the righteous, loving acts that we've done. 